Well, if you have your Bibles uh, or your Bible app, why don't you open them to uh, the book of Matthew, uh, and we're going to be in chapter 26 today. Now, there's not, there's not any real PowerPoint other than the logo today, because today is going to be a different day, and you might pick that cue up because I'm seated, seated and still sitting. And uh, I know some of you are thinking, oh, he's not going to stay in there, but we'll see. We've been going through the book of Matthew for uh, a few weeks as a church, and uh, we are preparing to land this, this series called Follow Me, where we learn who Jesus is and what it means to be his disciple. We've seen a lot of incredible things, much of the even the, the, the stuff, people, the shirts that we're wearing and the cups that we have are drinking from are as a result of how wonderful uh, Jesus we've seen in, in the text. How many are thankful that the Lord showed us that big Jesus means big faith? Yes. <laughs> and that Jesus is greater than. How many believe Jesus is greater than? And that's all he's asked. Well, today we want to follow Jesus into his passion. So we're going to read today the passion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Master, our Lord. We're going to follow him into his passion. So we're going to be reading large swaths of Scripture. And that, that really is our intent, just to come before the Scripture. As you know, I will be physically unable to restrain myself from comment here and there. <laughs> But we'll conclude our reading by gathering around the Lord's table and receiving by faith again of that power, of that grace of the Lord's table. If you have not uh, had opportunity to be served or receive communion emblems, uh, we'll take a, if you haven't done it yet, I'll take one more pause before we go into that time, and we'll make sure that we let you go get some or we can have ushers help you, okay? There are serving areas in the back of the room on either side. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 17. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into, a cert- go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. Matthew wants us to know, as he's already told us multiple times, that Jesus has predicted his death in detail, that he has has talked about what is going to happen. And here we have it again, my appointed time is near. Friends, it was important to Matthew's audience, and it's important to every audience, to remember that Jesus' life was not hijacked. He was not assassinated. Jesus Christ intentionally, willingly laid down his life. No man took it from him. That's important because he, in seeing what was in front of him, he he embraced it. He was willing to do that. He did that by choice. And if God is willing to do that by choice for you, is there anything that God will not do? Is anything off the table? No. My appointed time has come. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, 
take and eat. This is my body. Would you all say it out loud with me? Now, we do not believe, as Protestant evangelicals, we do not subscribe to the doctrine of what's called transubstantiation. We do not believe that these elements that we, are, that we hold in our hands, that as we receive them, we do not believe that they become the actual literal flesh and blood of Jesus. We don't believe that. It doesn't resonate with the rest of the text. But we should be careful as Protestant evangelicals not to dismiss the power and the mystery. The phrase that they are merely representative, merely symbolic, is it takes, takes the mystery and the power and brushes it off the table because Jesus says, this is my body. There is something, there is a substance, there is a spiritual power present. And as our faith is, what we need to bring real, robust, living faith to this moment. Yes. It's not just a, a, a high school yearbook. It's not just a remember one. It is a, it is a, Paul says that we participate. We actually participate with these things. This is my the take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the for, for many for the forgiveness of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. We need to say it again at this house. Your sins were forgiven. You were redeemed. Your sins have been cut off and sent away, but you have been brought near. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Oh, friends, listen, remember that when we that this table of the Lord, we are remembering Christ's vicarious suffering, we are remembering his victorious resurrection, but we are also anticipating. Jesus, Jesus contextualizes this meal as an anticipation of what will be new, of when all things are made new. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You might say, hey, they sing a hymn, bless God, I knew they did, right? I knew, well, they, this is my father's world. What's, what's, what, Psalm, they sang hymn number 57, that's what they sang. No, they, they probably sang something that would have sounded like, if you ever heard someone sing, I don't know if you could ever do it for me, Doc, but if you ever heard uh, some, someone sing the Shema, but uh, it, would have been, uh, it would have been in probably the, the Hebrew tongue, something from the Psalms, but it would have been, uh, probably in a minor key, but it would have been it would have been worshipful. It would have been grateful. It would have been adoring. It would have been recognizing the beauty, the bounty, the blessing of the Lord. Our our time at the Lord's table should be a time where we where we effervescently there should be an ebullient expression of our gratitude and affection for for God Himself. It is His ultimate expression of provision. If I was sitting where you are, I'd have shouted at me just now. (laughs) 
Then Jesus sent, uh, went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and they said to him, and, they, and he said to them, "Sit here while I go over there and pray." He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He took Peter, James, and John, and Dav. Sorry, I have explained to the church that there's that if if I were in the story, I would never have let those three go off without me. I would have been there. And he took Peter, James, and John, and Dab with him, sighing, sighing Peter's frustrated that Dab is still there, and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, if there is a, a prayer phrase that the evangelical church has clung to desperately, it seems to be this one. Of all the things that Jesus prayed and all the ways that he prayed and all the ways that in every other prayer in the Bible, this is the phrase that we seem to, that folks seem to cling to the most. They want to, they want to attach this phrase, uh, not, yet not as I will, but as you will, to everything. Friends, there is only one place that Jesus put this phrase. He prayed this phrase one time. He never, when he met the leper, he didn't say, well, if it be your will. When he raised the dead, he didn't say, well, if it be your will. When he fed the multitude, he didn't say, well, if it be your will. And so we should not read this as some sort of, well, you know, just passive, you know, I'm going to abandon myself. That's not at all what's happening. First of all, we need to see again that Jesus is looking directly at the cup he is about to drink. And he is the only one. This is, this, there, we may be able to identify with Jesus' prayer here in sort of a, an, an, as an analog or a metaphor or a symbolic way, but there is no real way for us to completely empathize with this because this is the only man who will ever do this. Yeah. What he is about to do, the, the cup from which he will drink, is he is the only one who could ever do it. And seeing what is in front of him and feeling it in his humanity, he is absolutely overwhelmed. And he says, Lord, if there is any other way. Have you ever heard someone say, why did it have to be that way? Why did Jesus have to do that? Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't God have dealt with sin in another way? No. And here we see it again. If there, if there is any other way, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But, he says, this is the thing. This should get your... This should get your, your grateful, tearful, broken-hearted joy-o-meter going. Here it is. Yet not as I will, but as you will. What was Jesus doing there? He was intentionally submitting his will to God. Because there was another man in another garden much before that who rejected the will of God. And in his rejection of the will of God, damned mankind. But this man submitted his will to God and saved us. Maybe we could just stop and give him thanks. Well, we'll give you thanks.
Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. You, it's okay to admit that oftentimes the caricature of the disciples is almost comical. <laughs> Here Jesus is praying his most intense, fervent, well, at least our glimpse into it. He finds them sleeping. And he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Closed circuit. Boys, listen to how the NIV translates that. Couldn't you men pray? We're constantly looking at our men's ministry and wanting to and to make it better and stronger. But one of the things that just, before we get to men's hobby night, what the kind of men's ministry he's looking for is, couldn't you men pray? Couldn't you pray for me with one for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Friends, prayer is the difference maker. Your, the, the, the difference between being, being led by your spirit and your, your spirit dominating your life or being, a, or being a carnal individual, the difference is prayer. Prayer will reorient your life. You will, have, you will be a spirit-oriented person as you pray. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Hey, can I give you some good news? In case you feel bad. Uh, there's a, there's a, Matthew is showing the, 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 the discrepancy between sleeping and praying. And it's an actual story, and yet, it still speaks to us metaphorically, doesn't it? That sleeping people don't pray, right? And that when then when there's that's that's prayerlessness uh, is 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 a, is a is a is a people a church that's asleep. But I want to tell you, and you already know this, many of you, that as far as we know, that our interaction, the church in the United States of America has woken up. You know Mrs. Dab and her and, and Mama Callie have been in, fi- in 15 cities in the last few months having prayer invasions. And at the same time, popping up all, all Patricia, what are her name is, babe? King and, uh, and Louis, Louis, Louis English and, uh, just kidding, Lou Engle and, uh, and Sean Fatchett, all those guys. They're all, everybody's, everybody's, everybody is, is, is praying. Yes. And then, and and and, uh, and even not even and even when there aren't cameras rolling, people are praying. Yes. And let me just say this again: in these United States of America, as a as a modest student of revival history in this country, God has never not right. answered the prayer of the American church when she has prayed, "Lord, send now your Spirit." Yes. From colonial times to first and second and great awakenings, from, from, from the Cane, Cane Ridge revival to the prayer revival post, post John, John, uh, Charles Finney, when they have prayed. There are records of people in the prayer, prayer revival, in the business uh, meeting revivals, where they would gather together in a room almost like in a circle, and they would just simply one at a time say, send now your spirit for Christ's sake. And one after another, they would say it. You say, well, is there something about those words? No, but imagine the focus and the waiting and the faith 
Imagine the precision, passionate faith of one after another. Send now your spirit for Christ's sake. And I'll say it again. God has never not answered that prayer in this country. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. How many of you love Jesus? Jesus, here's a shirt that we, I don't think we should do Jesus is savage, but he is. I mean, they're coming to arrest him and kill him, and he, and he gets in front of his boys and says, let's roll. I mean, some version of this should said, rise, bring it. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. The men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of the One of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. This was a principle of sowing and reaping. In this, in this particular case, Peter is initiating a violent act, thinking that a physical violent act, thinking that that's how it's going to get done. Jesus says, no. If you sow violence, you will reap it. Verse 53, do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? Friends, This is not plan B, plan C, plan E. This is not, whoops, it didn't work. This is God's plan from the law and the prophets. This is the spirit of Christ that spoke through the prophets. This is God's plan at work. This is redemptive history, and it is on purpose. He saved you on purpose. You need to feel that. You were his idea. Salvation is his idea. You did not come up with it. It's his idea. You are his idea. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sit, I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. Verse 58, but Peter followed at a distance. Right up to the courtyard of the high priest, he entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. We're not going to go into the the excursus on uh, Peter's interaction, but many of you know it, that this is the time when Peter is asked 
several times whether or not he knows Jesus or whether he's with Jesus, and he denies Jesus fervently. And all I'll say is that is that phrase, but Peter followed him at a distance. When you follow Jesus at a distance, you create a margin, a margin for disobedience and denial in your life. Follow Jesus close. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they could not find any. Say it out loud. They could not find any. This was intentional and this was illegal. No evidence against him, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, why, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Remember, this is the accusation. We'll find out later. They they know what he really said. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. He remained silent. We're going we're gonna, to, in a minute, we're going to listen to the prophet Isaiah. Generations and generations before this, describe this to us, and you're going to hear all of this prophesied. Are you not going to answer? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so. You said it yourself. <laughs> you have said so, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why did he freak out over such a statement? Because he knew what Jesus meant. Here's what Jesus said. This is the, the claim that Jesus just made about himself in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, beginning at verse 13. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, And he was led into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom will be that his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus said, That's me. Then the high priest tore his clothes. He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need to hear any more witnesses? Look, you've heard this. What do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. And then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Later, verse 11 now of of, of chapter 27. Later, Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. 
Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner. That's important for you to hear say well-known. So this is not a myth. This is not an invention. A well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Other texts, we know that he, was an in, he led an insurrection. He was a murderer. Usually, we just call him Barabbas. But if you can handle it, here is the mystical part. Bar means son of, and Abba means father. So this, it's this Jesus, the son of God, Jesus. I mean, these, these names are so similar. But it's, it's, it's not that they should be confused. What we should try to lean into is the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus Christ literally becomes one of us. He becomes us in order to do what? To take our place. Barabbas, we'll see, as the crowd cries out that they release Barabbas. Barabbas, who's one of us. Barabbas is one of us. Come on, does everybody say that loud. Barabbas is one of us. Barabbas is one of us. And he is the first to recognize that Jesus took his place. Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who was called Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. And Pilate was still sitting in the judge's seat. His wife sent... Why shouldn't have sat in a seat today? Now I'm uncomfortable. Uh, When Pilate was still sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent... Uh, him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. I don't think Pilate was, was married for as long as I am. Because he should have he listened. As I listened, bless God. Yeah. Yeah. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to have, and, and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release? Barabbas, they answered. Matthew's taking time to show us this. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Messiah, Pilate asked. They answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. And they all shouted louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Now we know how they meant it. We know that they meant we hereby take responsibility. Generationally so. Yep, they said, his blood on us and on our kiddos. It's on our family. The guilt. And though Matthew doesn't say this, they said prophetically, oh my, how they did. Because this is, though it was their their accusation, this is our conviction. This is our comfort, our hope, our everything. His blood is on us and on our children. And this is the confession and we hope we, we bring to the Lord's table. Maybe you could all just say it with me. We'll say it again at the end today. But you say it with me now. His blood is on us and on our children. Do you believe that? Yes. Mm, I'm trying to sense the faithometer in the room right now. I wonder. I think you're still trying to figure out if, this, if, you're, if you're supposed to. Yeah, that's Dr. Dav. You can. It's true. Okay, just say it with me right now. Ready? 
His blood is on us and on our children. I want you to visualize your life, your home, your family, your children. That's why we say come home. Some of them aren't home. Some of them are out. But listen, this is our confession. The power of the blood of Jesus is on us and on our children. Remember the Lord said to Moses, but when I see the blood, I'll pass over. That blood's going to be the difference maker. It's going to be the barrier. It's the thing that he sees. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Matthew, uh, we've always said, Matthew isn't one for many details. It's just all he tells us is that Jesus happened. And here he does it again. He doesn't give us the details of what it means to be flogged, nor does he give us the details of what it means to be crucified. The truth is that Matthew's audience would have known it well and would have preferred him not. To be flogged was horrendous. To be flogged in the Jewish, uh, under Jewish discipline was, was, was a lesser, lesser punishment and limited. To be flogged by a Roman soldier, we know, we understand that these were leather straps laced with chips of bone and rock and other things that would have torn his flesh. We understand that Romans only stopped flogging for two reasons. If they were tired or if the victim were dead. And then they handed him over to be crucified. One of the most horrific experiences ever engineered by humanity to execute, to inflict pain on another individual. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered a whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They, they put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. And as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and forced him to carry the cross. And they came to a a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. This was something that was done by, by the compassionate crowd, some of even the wealthier crowd of the area would would prepare this drink, and it was strong, and it would dull the senses of the executed. Jesus refused to even have his physical senses dulled as he entered this. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. You'll see that in Psalm 22. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. It's important that we hear that. The written charge against him says, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. In the book of Colossians, Paul says that God has taken the written charge against you and taken it away has destroyed it, has abolished it by nailing it to the cross. Verse 38, two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. 
Remember when, when in, the, in the wilderness, when it says that, uh, the, that Satan tempted Jesus and then left him for a more opportune time. But in the wilderness, the crux of the temptation was, if you are the Son of God. It was a challenge to doubt his identity and his relationship with God and God's heart toward him. And here it is again in the, the, the voice of the serpent through the mocking crowd. If you are this, if God cared about you, why would you be in this place? Why would this be happening? This is the voice of the accuser. This is the spit of the serpent that in moments of great crisis, when it's dark and painful, he there at that time caused you to question. He invites the question, who are you? You aren't who you say you are. You don't belong to him. He doesn't care about you. And in those moments, know that Jesus Christ in fullness of strength and power clung to that cross for you to demonstrate to you that even in your pain, God will raise you up again. That failure isn't final. That no matter how dark it is, he is the God of the sunrise. He is the God of hope. He is the God of life and resurrection. He saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from that cross. The world doesn't like a bloody religion. They don't like a religion. They much prefer Jesus just gave some platitudes about philosophy and morality. You can talk about God all day long, but the minute you start talking about Jesus and dying on a cross, it makes the world angry. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, if he wants him. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him heaped insults on him. Matthew doesn't tell us about the thief who asked for mercy. Matthew has a singular person in mind in his text. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the earth. Hey, thanks, Matthew, for explaining that. (laughs) Dad, what does that mean? It means that for three hours, it was dark. (laughs) What was happening? It was dark. We can theologize, we can talk about judgment and, and all kinds, but it, it, was, it was a sign. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, or lema, shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is, again, a quote from Psalm 22. But you need to finish the psalm. Somebody say, finish the psalm. Because... On one hand, yes, Jesus is on the cross in that moment crying out, My God, why have you forsaken me? He is in that moment identifying with the feeling and the sentiment of an orphaned planet, of, of, a, of those created in his image who feel forsaken by God. Because of their own sin, because of their own brokenness, they don't know where God is and they feel forsaken by him. But, and Jesus in that moment becomes the forsaken so that the forsaken can become the begotten. So that the forsaken can become the beloved. He trades us. And yet, he, yet even in that moment, we should finish the psalm because at the end of the psalm, the psalmist says, it's almost like I, it feels like I'm forsaken. It feels like everything has gone wrong. 
but God will finish this story with victory. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with vinegar and put it on a staff, and he offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. How many are ready for some Mufasa? You ready? That's from the Lion King. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. Now, if I was preaching this, I'd have said it like this. At that moment... The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At that moment, the earth shook. At that moment, the rocks split. At that moment, tombs broke open. At that moment, bodies of many holy people who had died were raised alive. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. What? What happened? What happened can only be theologized. It can only be recognized. It can only be wondered at. That when he gave up his spirit, that the the fist of heaven landed upon creation. And God's judgment upon sin and death was final. And the curtain tore apart and the presence of God was loosed. And that which separated us from God was destroyed for all eternity. And death itself received its first powerful blow. There will come a day when death will be thrown into the lake of of, of fire forever. But rest assured, death has received its first blow at the cross. And And it hurts so bad that some of the dead folk got back up. And when the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. And that centurion is the first of many. For every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is many women were there watching from a distance they had followed jesus from galilee to care for his needs we got to give a shout out nothing would get done unless women did it where's the dudes they ran We had time to talk about revivalist history. We would, we would talk about the women who have saved our bacon throughout history more than once. That's why I hire a bunch of them. I'm not dumb. Among them were Mary and Mary and the other Mary. There's a lot of them. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb. A rich man in his own new tomb, 
right, that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. This is an apologetic comment. Matthew wants us to know that everybody knew where Jesus was buried. Not a secret. It was not even, it wasn't like a hole in the ground. This was a rich man's tomb and everybody saw it. And it gets more. The next day, at, uh, at the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to, the, went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that uh, while he was alive, the deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. Oh, I thought you said he said it was the temple. No, they knew what he said. After three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Because if people believe that he rose from the dead, it's over. Take a guard, Pilate answered, go and make the tomb secure as you know, as, as secure as you know how. So take every measure. So they went and made this acum- the tomb secure by putting a seal on it. Remember, we've talked about that if you, if you touched or broke that seal, death penalty. And by posting a guard, a, a, a troop of Roman soldiers right there. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men the angel said to the women do not be afraid for i know that you are looking for jesus who was crucified he is not here he has risen The first message that screams forth from an empty tomb to the church of Jesus Christ is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what? Anything. Hebrews chapter 2 said it is the devil who has kept people in the slavery of the fear of death. But Jesus Christ has overcome it. Do not be afraid. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. This is the message of Christianity. Come and see for yourself. Come and taste for yourself. Come and experience for yourself. Come and find out just how alive Jesus is for yourself. You don't have to take our word for it. And every single person in the sound of my voice on the, on the, that's listening to us online, you can find out for yourself that Jesus Christ is alive. And then once you do, if you will taste of his life and resurrection power, you too will be a sent one. You will go quickly and tell anybody and everybody you know Jesus Christ is alive listen to the listen to the the prophet now again hundreds of years before this begin to prophesy you guys want to get ready here's isaiah but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray each one of us has turned our to our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth 
He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We're going to gather around the Lord's table. If you have not made opportunity to secure some elements for communion, you can do that now. Or if you'll just look around, I have ushers that are looking for you right now to try to help you. At home, if you're, we'll take time for you. You can secure some emblems that might help you in these moments some spiritual symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, and he said, This is my body. This is my body. And we've we've read today what that meant. That That in his body, in his person, Jesus bore our punishment, our brokenness, our shame, our scorn our sense of separation from God. And, and Hebrews tells us that, that, that as Jesus' body was broken, that so was the, the curtain in the temple torn in half. That in the breaking of his body, Jesus opens a new and living way for you and I. That he takes upon himself our brokenness, our shame, and he provides to us his very life. Pastor Moline, would you please come and just lead us into receiving of the wafer and pray with us? Father, as we hold this bread in our hand, recognizing that it is through your brokenness that we have been made whole. Mm. And Lord, we take and by an act of faith, we lay open our lives before you. Lord, to look upon those broken areas of our lives. 
Some of it, Lord, due to our own sin. Hmm. Forgive us, O oh God. Some of it, Lord, due to being sinned against by others hmm. that has broken us in many places. And Lord, we ask you to forgive them. Hmm. And we come to you by faith because as you were broken, you turn around and offer to us full healing of the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. As we partake of this bread, Lord Jesus, come to us and heal us. Mm. Heal our hurts. Heal our memories. Heal our bodies. Heal our emotions. Heal our minds. Lord, that we may once again think the thoughts of God out of minds that are whole, out of emotions that are healthy, mm. out of bodies that are strong. We receive now this bread as we partake it in the name of Jesus. Let us partake together. take this cup and just say just this his blood is on us and on our children say it with me his blood is on us and on our children let's take together this cup of forgiveness of freedom of blessing of deliverance together said on the day of Pentecost when the crowd hearing that Pentecost meant that God has made this Jesus Lord in Christ they said what shall we do and Peter said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit 
On these first weekends of the month, we run the water and we warm it. And we have a change of clothes. So before we lean into a time of prayer, I'll say this right now. If you're here this morning and you need to repent of your sin, you need to be baptized in water. If you have not been baptized in water, you can sign up for it next month or do it right now. Pastor Jeremy is over there. You can make your way over there to the right, to, to my left and your right. And we will get you baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we believe that the Holy Spirit will meet you in the waters of baptism. But now we also conclude our time of communion and heritage always with the anointing of oil. So if I could have, thank you, yes, some ministry leaders, my deacons, please to come. The Bible says that when we have need, we should call for the elders of the church and they will pray over us, anointing us with oil. And just as that wafer and that juice were symbols of the actual body of Jesus Christ, so this oil represents to us, it is a physical symbol of the actual presence of the Holy Spirit who is here today to apply all that Christ has accomplished. If you need healing today, if you need a touch from the Lord, if you're seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life today, we want to pray with you and pray for you. I'm going to have my worship team gently pray for a few moments more. And if you would like prayer, we're going to close this service by inviting you to receive prayer. And we will pray with you and for you for as long as you like. If you'd like to go to the cafe, there's refreshments and other church folk in there for you to see as well. But worship team, let's worship the Lord. And friends, if you need prayer for any reason, come right now and let's pray together. Free to go and fellowship in the cafe. The Lord bless you, but you're welcome to stay and pray.